podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com. Brighton and Hove Albion fans are used to chanting famous names. Lewis Dunk, Solly March, and if things had turned out differently, Harlem Eubank could have been one of them. Harlem played alongside March and Dunk in the Brighton and Lewis youth setups before starting a new life in the boxing ring. It's Paul Hayward and Glenn Murray here with the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast, the show that takes you deeper than ever before into your football club. So it's our lucky day. We are joined by Harlem Eubank, 18-0 in the ring and fights Timo Schwartzkopf at the Brighton Centre on the 10th of November. Harlem is a, a member of the famous uh, Eubank boxing dynasty, but he also has a football story to tell about the Albion. And before we get on to the boxing, Harlem, tell us about your Albion career, because you were here as a youth player from 12 to 16 years old, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, had great memories here at Brighton. It was really kind of my first taste of like a professional setup. I started playing football at the age of uh, 12. and um, in the first year I started playing, I was so enthusiastic about it and, you know, always wanting to kind of improve and went to, checked up in like the local paper who was top of Sunday league, you know, went to with Dean 2000 who were kind of like pushing to the top of that at the time. In my first year with them, like some Brighton scouts kind of approached them asking about me. And my coaches were like, He's, it's his first season playing football. So they usually do like a six week trial process my coaches were like, he's just started playing. So um, they were like, okay, come along and train with us for the year alongside your team so you can get a taste of it and see how you get on. And I kind of, I really liked the coach um, at the time and I really got on with him as well and kind of went from strength to strength that year. I think we played a few friendlies. We had like uh, Chelsea and a few other teams at the time, which back then was a big deal you know, because Brighton was still at the width then then and still that was like three, you know, three, four leagues above. Yeah, so I got signed on a four-year uh, contract from uh, my first season kind of playing with them and, and um, yeah, and, and went all the way through to under-16 youth level. And you were a flying fullback, weren't you? Is that right? Yeah, well, I started all over. Where I was, I was just getting started in football. I started playing midfield for with Dean, went to Brighton. They played me up front right wing, left wing. And um, yeah, by the time I was 16, I was left back and, and right back. So I slowly edged back <laughs> to the field. But I like to kind of overtake. I like the flair aspects of football. And, um, you know, I also love like going in for smashing challenges and um, against the big lads at the time. We go up to London and play like Crystal Palace and um, it would be like big, fully developed um grown men at like the age of 13. You know, I, I just had that mentality back then of just, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm going to go flying into challenges. <laughs> and I was the smallest kid on the pitch. So I think they kind of loved that mentality where I just didn't, I wasn't phased by it. But yeah, I loved, loved playing in that professional setup from a young age because it gave me that routine and that structure and the things that I brought into boxing. So the bigger you are, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That's what they say. That's what they say. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 the mentality I've always kind of went into it with. 
and hopefully you know I've, uh, I've used the same approach in, in boxing you know I, I just I just want to touch on something you just said so you started playing the game at 12 yeah there was no grassroots before that at no any gra- level no grassroots and Brighton just... picked you up right away yeah, so it just must first... be in your genes like sport and excellence yeah I think the first season I was just the way I approached stuff is kind of like I'm all in if I start playing football I'm, I'm practicing every day trying to pick it up and I had that kind of drive and passion for it as soon as I picked it up and kind of went from strength to strength in a in a short space of time. Wow. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, I just kind of picked it up and ran with it. And because we had some good, like them friendlies early on, I think because I had something a little bit different at the time, they, ju- they just was like, we'll, we'll give you a four year because I, I guess there was other teams around yeah. and they were just like, we'll play it safe and just give you a four year because I think they usually give two years at a time. So everyone's renews and I got like a, a long one from the start, but never got my growth spurt. So I was kind of like, my peak was actually earlier on. Okay. And then as everyone overtook me, it got harder and harder, but it was, I had a great time. You know, I had a great time at Brighton. Did you think that you were going to make it or was, was it a hope or an expectation that you were going to become a pro player? I really, I really did think, you know, I really did have that faith and, and belief that I would um, push on and, and become a professional football player. At the time, a lot of the focus around football over here in the UK was, you know, strength and physicality and where I didn't get my growth spurt until college times, so I was always kind of had to use my kind of skill and stuff. But as age went on, you, you lost the kind of like... Um, speed and stuff against some of the physical players so I was aware of that but at the same time I was told in certain games for example like the ones where you know you go to uh play one of the London teams and and some of the players are like scared to go in on the challenges <laughs> and the coaches are brutal <laughs> so the coach sat us down after one one game and was like I think it was under 15s and was basically like none of you based on that performance none of you are going to get a scholarship the only person that that might is and pointed at me because I was going into the challenges, but then kind of referenced that the only reason would be my you know physical attributes being a lot shorter at the time. I was still five foot flat until I was eighteen, so I always had the, the belief that you know I, I I could I could get there. But yeah, a curveball came and and destiny was in another slightly different lane. I was going to say you. I mean, you, I think you first went into a boxing gym, probably at maybe fourteen. So when yeah. you, when the coach is praising you for getting stuck in, you already yeah. know how to look after yourself. Don't you? Yeah, you're well, in, I, in a boxing. Room. Yeah, I started gym. as um, at fourteen years old. I went to do a bit of boxing for like preseason training to try and uh, at the time they'd done the, the football preseason like the Arding lie kind of. Um, you do a full week there and it kills you. So I thought, let me go do some boxing, get my fitness up early, and um, got into boxing and kind of. Showed a little bit of talent there early and, and went to try and get into some fights and got my first fight lined up. And it was the day before we had a game. I think we was away to like Millwall. I went up to London for the fight. The kid ended up hearing the name, I think, and pulled out because of the last name. <laughs> and then I went into the dressing room in the morning after telling a few of the lads, you know, I got my first fight and they were all hyped because, you know, they loved like boxing. And when you're in a football setup, I guess they they love that kind of like different aspect to it. So come in the train change room and they're all like, oh, like how, <laughs> how did it go? And I was like, oh, my kid pulled out. Coach pulled me aside and was like, 
can't unbox and, and play for us. Like, if you're injured, we select you for the team. It's not going to work. So at that point, no more boxing and then just focus on football for the extra two years. And then I ended up picking boxing back up at 18. So, so before we move on to boxing, who was in your youth team at Brighton? From the players now, while I was there, there isn't actually any players there now. There was a player that got the furthest in that setup was uh, Jake Kasky. He probably got the furthest in that setup, but we played. So we'd come in on like a, I think it's like a Thursday, you go and train with the youth team. So I got to train with Lewis Dunk on a, on a Thursday and, and uh, yeah, he's a local boy. So it was, it's good to see his progression because they always talked about him from even way back then that, you know, he, he could be a premiership level player. And, and could you see that when you when you played against him? Was it was it apparent that he yeah. was levels above everyone else? Yeah, it was. It was. He, he had a lot of different strengths that the other kids didn't have, like a, bit, a lot of versatility and the size, you know, where he could, he could play out from the back. He was a centre-back that had, you know, skills other than just like clearing the ball and his physical size and he, he could do it, do it all. That was apparent from back then. So when I got released at 16, I then went to play for Lewis and I was playing with Solly at Lewis. All throughout, Solly was on trial at Brian. He was actually on one of my trial games. I was playing right wing and he was playing left wing. So they kind of had him back for trials from when he was a small kid because he always had skills, but I don't think he had that growth spurt and that size and pace injection until until like youth team level. So at Lewis, started becoming apparent like he had some serious kind of talent uh, once he got that pace and, and size mixed with his skill. Yeah, so I think Brighton signed him from Lewis. So I played, played with him for two years at Lewis and so then see him go on to do amazing things in, in the side now. It's, yeah, it's great to see the journey that they've both come on, you know. Because it's, I mean, it's important to say that you're a, you're a massive Albion fan, aren't you? Yeah. Do you, how many games do you go to? Um, I don't go to loads of games um, just because of my training schedule. You know, I have, to, I have to kind of commit myself to the boxing full time, but I'm always watching, you know, watching from afar. And like I said, the progress has been outstanding to see, see, them, see how far they've come over the, the last 10, 12 years. Hundreds and hundreds of kids get released every year by Premier League clubs and football clubs, and and, it, and it's a bit like people describe it as like falling off a cliff. But mm. you had you had something else to go into, didn't you? I mean, how much did it hurt at the time? Though I didn't at the time. I didn't at the time. Boxing was still something that I hadn't. I I'd tested the waters, but you know I'd kind of left it. So at the time, my vision was like football, football. I'm going to make it. You know, I'm going to make it. However, you know which way I can. Yeah, I remember it clearly, you know, the drive to the training ground to to kind of hear the news. And Did you expect it? No, I didn't. I didn't because at the time, the same people that were telling me the news had said previously and like them, them get after them games, said things that encouraged me to think, you know, I've got a good, a solid chance here of, of getting taken on. Sorry, what, what, what age was this? So this was at the end of the under-16s. So this would be going to YTS? Yeah, then. going into the youth team, yeah, under-18s. Yeah, at that stage, my whole kind of world came crumbling down. Like, if you all you know is football and uh, you've been playing, training three days a week, playing, you know, on the weekend. But in between that, you're practicing your own little bits and everything was focused on becoming a professional footballer. 
and you know, stepping on the the field as a as a pro. That was the the ambition. So when that happens, your whole kind of concept of your life to that point becomes questioned. It falls apart, and you have to you have to think, what what am I going to do then? Like I thought this was it, and and maybe it isn't. So yeah, it was it was really a you know a, a make or break point I think in my life, and ended up steering me on a different path ultimately. I got released at exactly the same time as you going into my YTS at Carlisle really? United. And, and I, I wanted to know, just from your point of view, because I feel as though young lads, they get released. You're well known in your local community. You mm. play for your football club. Yeah. You sort of, you wear the badge and it gives you a sense of being, I suppose, in, in at school and things. Yeah. And when you do get released, it's, it's literally heartbreaking. And it's kind of that feeling of you don't want to show your face. You're yeah. a little bit embarrassed. Do you think that more could be done for young lads or girls at now at, at that stage of, of being released? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Like you say, every everyone in school is like, ah, oh, you know, they play for Brighton. They, there's a certain like like accreditation that that comes with it, and and you, if you're experiencing that for your whole school years, and then that's taken away, um, I think there does need to be like an education around. Like self self worth, yeah, self worth, and and other avenues that you can uh, take all them skills into because over them years you've been so focused and dedicated to to that one thing. Kids need to know that it's not like it's not the end of the road in terms of all the skills that you've built up over that time, and that there's there's these options to go into. There's these there's there's these paths that exist. It's not it's not um, you failed, you know. It, there needs to be an education around what other avenues they can go into and and um, how they can use their skills because it, it can be very traumatic for for kids. When your surname is is Eubank, there's obviously a, a tradition of high achievement in the family. Did 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 you feel kind of pressure to be a successful to be successful in the way that other members of your family had been? Most definitely, and and I, I always found with football. I always, always thought, look, boxing, it's already been done to the highest level. Why would I start something like boxing? Um, and Did you feel an extra pressure with boxing because of the name? Definitely, definitely. But I, I also felt that pressure in, in terms of anything I've done because it's like so much has been achieved in, in sport. I need to try and replicate in my own lane. Like I need to, if I'm playing football, I need to, I need to break through and be, you know, be the the best I can be in this and, and try and achieve that sport and success in, in my own field because in boxing it would be the hardest place to to try and uh, replicate or to have success, I think. So, I mean, a, a lot of young lads or girls now unfortunately let that moment of being released define them. You've obviously used it as a catalyst. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like I say, it was a make, a make or break moment for me um my whole world came you know crumbling down and i had to rebuild it slowly and at the age of kind of 17 18 i was like like i said i played for lewis for two years and after that i was like i didn't have that passion for it anymore in terms of playing i didn't i didn't have that kind of passion and drive and i was like i need to try something something new because i've always all my life i've had that uh, routine and structure where if I put everything into this I can achieve this and um, 
I thought, let me let me try this boxing thing and, and see what it's like. And I remember the first day going into the gym, you know, you, you're getting punched in the face. And I'm thinking, this is the hardest, <laughs> this is the hardest thing I've ever done. So then it's a, a mission to to try and make it a bit easier, you know, by by learning bit by bit each and every day. Because yeah, there's nothing with football when you get into it, it's you know especially at like a grassroots level it's you can you can start off pretty good you know and then and then develop without getting the harsh reality of <laughs> of you know taking shots <laughs> to the head and I did a, I started at eight where I started at 18 as well you're not taking shots off kids you're, you're sparring grown men and you know you've got the last name Eubank and you're, you're trying to figure this thing out and that's why I've always seen it as, you know, a difficult route from the start, but a route that's kind of forged me into the fire I am now. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. Were you able to lean on in those early days when it was all a bit of a culture shock on, you know, Chris Senior and Chris Junior, were they, did they give you advice and support? Yeah, they always, always gave me advice and, uh, and support and, and ways to, um, you know, try and handle. But I think you've got to learn a lot of it through experience because it's, it's easy to say one thing, but, you know, w- w- when you're experiencing it, the, the pressures and the, the fact that, everyone brings 110% against you because of the name. Um, so you, you have to experience that to actually take it in your stride and to, to learn it and, and embody it. So I think they def- they were always there to give me that support. But a lot of the things I, I feel like, you know, I've had to learn firsthand. So well. how would you describe your um, style? Because you're a, you're a skills-based fighter, aren't you? You're not, a, you're not a slugger particularly, are you? Yeah. No, I love the art form. It's... It's a skill, craft, uh, and the art of hitting and not getting hit. You know, footwork around the ring. For me, the the fighters that inspired me to get into the sport are the ones that um, dance and you know have electric hand speed uh, combinations in bursts and and kind of dance around the ring, making it look effortless. You know, the Muhammad Ali's, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson. These are guys that took up ballet to enhance their skills in the ring and and approach something so brutal in a way where um, you know there's an elegance to it and an art form that that isn't associated with brutality and that's that's what I love about the sport. You mentioned ballet there. Have you taken other than obviously football? Have you ever taken yeah. anything up to try and enhance your ability of boxing? Yeah, I've I've, um, I've tried a few different things. Um, I've done one ballet session before. I'd like to do more. Um, gymnastics, uh, a few different kind of methods, um, even things like uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and different art forms. You know, I, I love, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan and and taking different arts and incorporating it into something new to get the best out of a fighting style is, is something that really interests me. So, yeah, it's um, it's great to, to, to take things like that and try and try and add them into your field. We've seen um, fighters who've drawn on, you know, like huge local fan bases, local support. I'm thinking Ricky Hatton and Man City fans and uh, Josh Warrington in Leeds yeah. is another example. Do you feel, you fought in Brighton before I know, but at the Brighton Centre 
on the 10th of November, you presumably you want the town to come out for you. you want, and you want Albion fans to get behind you, do you? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, it's a club that I've supported, you know, all my life, club that I've played for and, you know, since followed their their route to the top, to the Premier League, to be becoming a force in the Premier League, to see their progression is amazing. And, you know, I'd like to replicate that kind of success and, you know, ambition in the sport of boxing. And I'd love for, you know, the people of Brighton to to get behind that, the Albion fans as well, and bring another, you know, great sporting event to Brighton, uh, something that, you know, parents and kids can come along to boxing, something that changes kids' lives as well, you know, as well as football. But it's something that can give kids direction, can give them, can teach them um, certain discipline uh, from an early age. So I feel like boxing is really something that can change people's lives. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to promote that in my city and help help local kids. Only from the outside point of view, it really feels like boxing as a sport in general is on a real upward trajectory at the minute. Mm. It's it's become you know it's become one of the things that everyone's uh, everyone's using because it captivates people. So even people outside of the sport, um, people that are into YouTube are, are choosing boxing as their form of entertainment because their fan base, there's nothing they want to see more than the risk attached. You know, when my guy fights this guy, who's going to win? There's so much pressure on the line. There's, it's, it's one of the most high pressure scenarios you can get, you know, in putting yourself, putting your health um, and your ego uh, on the line, your reputation on the line in front of a big audience where anything can happen. You really have to submit and, and um, understand when you go in there like you're you're under no illusion that that anything can happen in there and and the training that you've done the work you put in is done to make you come out on top in that high pressure what's that moment like so so all all your trainings behind you the hard work's behind you all the noises died down from the media and the press what is that moment like when you step foot in that ring and you're, there's only you and him in there? Tunnel vision. Um, you know, you're looking across the ring and this is game time. You know, he's coming to try and take you out and you're trying to do the same. So it's all that noise, all that environment that is around you that's, you know, it's half of it wants their guy to win and, and the other half wants you to win. All of that is channeled out and you're just, it's just tunnel vision. It's similar to like, in a football match when you're you're in your full flow everything is coming off every pass you know every touch is on point and you just know that that no one's getting close to you on that day it's like it's that you know you're in that moment and it's it's just you and him and everything you've done is going to help you come out on top well i was thinking that because obviously a, a football pitch it can be you're surrounded by a crowd like yourselves and it can be the loneliest place in the world but i've obviously got 10, 15 teammates to fall back on. Yeah. When there's only you, it must feel lonely sometimes in that. Yeah, it's a lonely sport. It's a sport where everything rides on you. You know, you have a bad day. There's no players there to pick you up. It's everything is on show. Your personality is on show. What happens, you know, when the pressure's on? What happens when you get clipped? What happens? How do you react? Everything is, the spotlight is completely on you and as a fighter, you lay yourself bare in the ring. You know, every 
every characteristic is there for people to see and, and there's no one to, to kind of pick you up and, and, and pat you on the shoulder and, uh, you know, get you into gear. You have to, it all rise on you and, and how you can change, how you can change and um, adapt to, to every little thing that happens in there. And while you're feeling all that, of course, you're plotting a path in boxing is, is very tricky and you have to get it right, don't you? How fast are you moving now towards, you know, the big marquee fights? I think, you know, I think I'm, uh, I'm almost there, to be honest. It's been a, um, a traditional route that I've taken in the boxing world. You know, I've gone step by step and I've uh, overcome some, some, some big hurdles already um, to get to this position. And now um, this fight will, is a fight that will put me in position on, on the world scene give me a good world ranking and that's the fights I want. I want the fights that put me in position for a world title shot. So I think that, you know, they're there. I'm on that horizon now where these fights, these big fights are on, on the doorstep now. Do you ever look at a, a Brighton game and watch the right back, whether it's Veltman or Milne, uh, James Milner and think, mm, that could have been me, but my life's turned out pretty differently. You know what? I don't, <laughs> I don't even, uh, I just think that this is the route that I was meant to take when I look back on it now. Um, and you know, I love, I love watching and seeing, seeing the players do well, especially the ones that I, ha I have seen their development, you know, from the, from the beginning. So I watch, I watch it as a fan now, you know, not as, uh, it could have been me, could have done this. I, I really feel like this was the path that I was meant to take. And, and, um, yeah, I'm proud of how far the team's come and, and how far the players have come as well. Yeah, you you mentioned the word proud there. It, it must be just just for the local community. It must be must be nice to sit back and see Brighton on match of the day and playing in Europe. And there must be a real sense of pride and togetherness through what not only the football clubs come through but the whole city. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's massive. It's massive to see. Um, obviously, since being at the Whitley into now, you're watching a match of the day, and sometimes <laughs> you have to like pinch yourself. Yeah. It's like this is surreal. Because you always used to, you know, being around the team and going to the home games at the Whitby and you think, how, you know, how long would it take for, the, for this club to become like a Premier League club or like, you kind of have them dreams and ambitions. Oh, I don't even think it was a dream. Was yeah, it? Yeah, was it, was it, it? yeah, it was so far away, but it's like, you have them little things like, how would, you know, how would they do against the Prem team or like, how, like what's the process to get from here to there so to see it now is it's almost surreal but yeah I'm just so so uh, happy for the club um, the city and it all ties in it's um, yeah it's a it's a great it's a great thing that's up you were changing in porter cabins at, at, with me weren't you? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh, to see again to see this I haven't been showing around the whole complex yet which you know I hope to to see it after this but even driving in, um, you know, I remember, I remember going to play Chelsea, play uh, friendlies at Chelsea, and you drive in, and it's, it's like the training ground at the time was the football icon. Uh, do you remember the program? Yeah, yeah the football icon training ground. So, as as kids, we were all kind of looking around like, this is where we see that, and <laughs> like, and this player's walking along. It was like crazy, and now obviously driving in here, it's like, this is like one of the best training facilities. You know, I've seen 100%. so it's like it's a completely different, different feel, and yeah, 
Amazing. I suppose spreading that net a little bit wider. So there's yourself, there's Chris Eubank Jr. In boxing terms, there's Ryan and Jamie Moore, horse racing terms. You've got obviously Duncan, Solly and the football club in general. Yeah. You've got Marcus Smith and Joe Marler going to play a, a semi-final in the Rugby Union World Cup in, yeah. in, a, in a matter of days. Sport in Sussex just seems to be excelling at the moment. It's flying. It's flying. Um, it's... It's in a great place, you know, and I think we just need to keep, you know, getting behind everyone and 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 again motivating the next generation because it's all about them now. Which 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 next? Not yet. You're not ready to pass the baton. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Still work to be done. <laughs> but it's great. It's great for the community, you know, to to have people pushing, you know, pushing in sport and and doing well and and having. Uh, Having it as an as an option, as a kids being able to see, um, there, there's an avenue in sport for them to get into, and hopefully, you know, that we we do our bit to motivate them. Certainly, are. Um, coming through. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned support, Harlem. I hope Albion fans and the town and the city, the county, gets behind you at the Brighton Centre on the 10th of November when you fight Timo Schwarzkopf. Uh, best of luck with that, and thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. Arlen, we've got uh, Joe Cole coming in soon, and we always like to ask our guests for a question to ask our next guest, if you like. So if Joe Cole were in this room now, what would you ask him? What does he think is... uh... His best performance was in any game. It doesn't have to be a win, but where he, you know, felt electric, where he felt unstoppable. That's a really good question, and we'll ask him next week. Thank I, you. I thought the question was going to be, "Do you want to fight?" <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a VoiceWork Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.